0: Well, this morning we want to continue on with our study on First Peter. And we're beginning chapter 4 today. And you know, when I was studying this and thinking about how to uh, present this chapter and where we're going, you know, it would be interesting if, if, the, if the, the New Testament writers, <laughs> if they wrote the way they thought people wanted to hear, versus what God put on their heart, I wonder what the New Testament would be like. (laughs) You know, because we have a real problem today in speaking what the Word says because it's not what people want to hear. And I just got to wonder if these guys felt that pressure. They were writing it down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if they ever had anything in their mind to say, God, they don't want to hear this. I'm not going to be popular by writing the things that you're asking me to write. And so I just wonder what would have happened if they would have transcribed the Holy Spirit wrongly. (laughs) And if they would have wrote the Scriptures to be so pleasant that everyone would like to hear them. I wonder how powerful they would be today. I wonder how powerful those Scriptures would be today. So that reminds me then of Peter's passion. Peter is writing, again, we have to recognize that this whole chapter, this whole book of Peter deals maybe more than what we want to think about when it comes to suffering, when it comes to living a life for Jesus in the midst of hard times happening among us. And today I want to talk to you a little bit more about how God sees some things. We're going to talk this morning about loving and hating as God does, loving and hating I said it, hating. God hates. We're going to talk about what God hates. And we're going to talk about what God loves. See, this may be a message that might be a real eye-opener for some of us today. If some of us are struggling with sin, if we're struggling with some bondage, if we're struggling with some things that we just can't get over, I'm praying that this message may be an enlightening message to you so that you might have an understanding of how damaging and how, how evil sin is. And when we understand how God hates sin and why he hates sin, it might help us to be able to deal with our sin as big or as little as it may be. Because if I don't understand God's perspective of love and hate, I really can't really have a relationship with God the way he wants to have a relationship with me. So we need to understand, we're going to learn some things according to God's word today so that we can prepare ourselves to live a godly life in this crazy world we live in. It's dominated by ungodly influences all around us. It's dark, it's confusing, we all know that, but we can live successful, we can live victorious lives in the midst of it if we would just grasp God's word and take God's word for what it says. Not for what I want it to say. Not for how I want to twist it. No, for what it says. Because the writers said it exactly as the Holy Spirit wanted them to have it. And therefore, that's the way we are to hear it the same way. If we can take this information and and allow it to sink into our lives, that there will be some sinful bondages that can be released. That you can be set free from some things in your life this morning that you may be struggling with as we take God's perspective and see it the way God sees it. We can learn much as we listen and as we study and as we apply. And it's so important that we apply what we listen and learn. We must apply it. We must take the next step and apply it. Today we're going to see how much God loves us and how much he hates some things in us. Did you know that God loves and hates in virtually equal terms? Yeah. Yeah. And we say, wait, wait, you're confusing me, Mike, because some say that God is, God is God of love. The Bible says God is love, right? But God is also a God that hates. Do we know what he hates? Do we know what he loves? We need to understand clearly the differentiation of what God loves and what God hates so that now I can live a victorious life. Our text today begins at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you to open up the word now to our hearts and our minds. Let us hear what you would have us to say. Let us hear what you would have us to hear. Let us not twist it in any way, shape, or form. Let me not twist it or let our hearts not twist it. But let us just know. Let us know your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body. Peter has been emphasizing throughout this whole chapter, this whole book, about the fact that Christ suffered and so are we. We are going to suffer. So don't be surprised when you do. Can somebody say amen? Thank you. Because we do suffer, don't we? We go through some stuff that sometimes it's our own doing, quite honestly, and sometimes it's not. But Peter is making the point that Christ suffered in his body. And why? Why does suffering have to be a common denominator between us and Christ? Why did Christ have to suffer? And why do we have to suffer? You know, why couldn't God just make this thing a God truly of love and peace and contentment and easy life? Why couldn't he do it that way? But therefore, Christ suffered because it says, therefore, Christ suffered. There's a reason for Christ's suffering. There's a reason for it. Well, in fact, there's multiple reasons for Christ's suffering. One of the reasons was that Christ came to earth to do a very difficult task. Christ came to earth for the the task and for the purpose of reestablishing and repairing a broken relationship that man caused between them and God. That's what his job was. And that caused great suffering Because he had a big job to do. He was repairing the relationship that man destroyed between man and God. This caused Christ to make a payment of his life for us. And this payment meant great suffering and death for Jesus. Another reason that Christ suffered was to be an example for us. That we could see how a godly person suffers through the problems of life. And how... We, he, Christ suffered because he took a stand against the enemy who had a legal right to the world that man gave. Christ stood up against that. And as a result, Christ suffered at the hands of evil men. And we now today are going to be having to do the same thing. And Christ is a great example for us and how we then can stand for the same standards that Christ stood for against the same evil men because the devil's still alive. He was defeated, but he's still alive. And he's out to destroy our lives. Macrally he was destroyed. But microly, he's very active today. And he's still out there trying to destroy as many people as he can. And as a result, we're going to find ourselves facing him like Christ faced him. And we're going to struggle in the process. And Jesus is a great example of how he did it. How he stood. And now we can stand the same way. Peter's saying that because you are going to suffer, to be forewarned and be prepared. We are to arm ourselves and prepare ourselves to have the same attitude towards suffering as Christ had. Now, attitude's a big word. In fact, we could spend a whole sermon and more talking about attitude and the power of it in our lives. We all recognize that in life there are many things, in fact, probably most things that we just can't control. Think of, the, think of the many things that have happened just this week, maybe, in your life that came into your life that you just had no control over. Sickness, for example. How many people are facing the crud? How many face, you know, dealing with the flu or all the kinds of stuff? And how many, how many times have we gotten uh, the phone call, the dreaded phone call that automatically changes our life instantaneously because now whatever happened in that phone call is out of our control, but it's changing things in my life out of control how many here are getting older <laughs> and finding the issues of getting older out of your control man things that are just are happening to our bodies that we're not intending to happen our attitude about these things are very important i could have a christ like attitude about those things and i could recognize that uh, the only thing that i have in control quite honestly is my attitude Everything else is most of the time out of my control, but my attitude is very much in my control. And that's why we need to be concerned with what Christ thinks about attitudes. I love the fact that when you could go back we could do a study on the B attitudes, and I think it's so cool because the B attitude says B attitude. Straighten up. B attitude. Take control of your attitude. And so many times when we don't do that, we run ourselves ragged. Because we let our attitudes run us. We can either have a very bitter attitude and be upset about all these things out of control or we can have the same attitude that Christ had recognizing that his Father in heaven was never out of control. Where's your trust? Where's your hope? Is your hope in this world that is out of control or is your hope in our Father who is in control? And when I place my hope in Him that I need now can change my attitude to say, ah, there's a lot of things going on right now that I don't like. But my perspective here of my eternal attitude that Christ had, knowing that the battle that Christ was going to face, in, in Hebrews it says, He endured the cross, scorning at shame, for the joy set before Him. What's the joy set before Him? It certainly wasn't the nails. It certainly wasn't the stripes on his back. It certainly wasn't the, thorn, the crown of thorns in his head. That wasn't what he was looking forward to, but what he was looking forward to, the joy that he set before him was you and I, was the result of the punishment. And if I can get that mentality in my mind to say, God, this is hard stuff I'm going through, but for the joy set before me, I'm going to endure it as Christ endured it because I know I have a promise and a hope that's bearing in my future. And it's good. It really is good. That's the attitude that we need to have, that we are walking through a temporary life. We are pilgrims on a journey, and we are not going to let this life get our attitude down, get us down in the dumps, and lose out for all that Christ has for us because he says, give me your attitude, give me your perspective so that I can change your perspective to be my eternal perspective. And when I can get that, man, I've got a lot, more than the enemy can ever steal. Amen. That's a good word. We could pray right now and go home, but we're not going to. Amen. <laughs> and then Peter says, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Now we can read this very quickly and go on, but what does it mean to be done with sin? To be done. God wants us to see sin as something that we can have control over. We don't have to live a life of sin. Amen. We don't have to. Many Christians walk around thinking that I am just this way and I have to deal with my sin. No, you don't. You can be done with it. You can put it across. You can hang it on the cross and be done with it. Other translations say this to that verse. The one who accepts the suffering in his life has clearly decided to stop sinning. You can go to the next slide, Gabe. For remember, when your body suffers, sin loses its power. Do you recognize that? When your body suffers, sin loses its power. Suffering causes us to see things differently the way Christ sees things. And when suffering happens in my body, sin is not in control anymore. It loses its grip on me. The Amplified Version says, Because whoever has suffered in the flesh meaning being like-minded with Christ, is done with intentional sin, having stopped pleasing the world. We have control over sin. Do you know that? Sin is a choice. Sin is a choice that I make. I either allow it to run my life or I take dominion over it. Now, for many of us, maybe that's a surprise that we would declare something like that, that I actually have control over my sin. Now, I will tell you that it is not, I'm not saying here that we're going to be perfect people because we will make mistakes. I'm talking about that intentional, premeditated sin. I'm going to say things today, probably that I'm going to be regretting because I can't control sometimes what slips out of my mouth, okay? It's just, I'm not that mature. I say things sometimes. I react sometimes that just snap out of me. But I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to improve. I'm trying to be more grown up in Christ, right? But we're going to make mistakes. But what I'm talking about and what the Scripture is talking about here is when it says done with sin or sin loses its power... What it means is that we can have control over the intentional aspects of our life that we do not have to be a victim anymore. I don't have to have that victim mentality. No, I can have a victor mentality. I can have a a mentality that I'm going to win this battle of bondage. Whatever that bondage is in your life, if it's repeated lying, if you can't stop lying for whatever reason, if, it's, uh, if, if, you have a, if you're a kleptomaniac, if you just got to steal something, if you're in pornography, it doesn't make any difference what it is. You can grab control over it. You do not let, have to let it be the master of your life. It is your choice. Now, it may be hard, but it's your choice. Let's talk a little bit more about sin. Let's try to understand God's heart when we talk about sin what is sin what is sin many of us think it 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 is all embodied in the 10 commandments where god said thou shalt not right well certainly sin is there it is all in those big things like the murder and the adultery and all those major sins like cursing and lying, but, you know, their sin can be much smaller than that. In fact, sin can be a, anything that misses the mark. Anything that doesn't line up with God's intention for my life is sin. It doesn't have to be the big things, even though it incorporates the big things, clearly. But there's many things that are much smaller that still are equally wrong in the sight of God. It's not the quality nor the quantity of sin in a person's life. It's the fact that there would be anything that would constitute a missing of the mark. Unrepented missing of the mark. So we need to know what sin really is. Scripture is clear that in mankind's current state, we've all sinned. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, There is no distinction since all have sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God. Sin is a condition where mankind falls short of what God expects another translation of that same verse says this all have sinned and are not good enough to share God's divine greatness see we were created to be in a relationship with God when sin comes in it destroys that relationship I cannot share anymore in God's divine greatness because sin comes in and takes me out of that relationship sin is defined in anything in its most general form anything that is in a man's life that separates him from God. So we don't have to look at the big things. It can be anything in my mind. It can be anything in my life. Anything that gets between me and God is declared sinful. It doesn't have to be big. It's just that God is such a holy and righteous God that God cannot exist. He cannot coexist with anything that isn't holy and righteous. We've minimized, we've taken God down from that holy and righteous standard down to a God that will cohabitate with sin. And we need to put God where he is, put him back on on the throne where he is. He is a holy and righteous God and he cannot cohabitate with sin. He's holy, he's righteous, he's just. Therefore, he's worthy of a person's life that is not contaminated with sin. I'm trying trying to make the point here. I'm trying to get get you to understand why God hates sin so much. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, then throughout that whole chapter. In fact, go home today and read all of Isaiah 59. Sin in its most basic single form is the thing that separates man from God. It says, listen now, the Lord isn't too weak to save you, and he isn't getting deaf. He can hear you when you call. God can hear you. So understand that. God can hear you when you call. But the trouble is that your sins have cut you off from God. Because of sin, he has turned his face away from you and will not listen anymore. It's not that God can't hear you. It's because you've got a barrier between you and God called sin. And God cannot respond in your life because there's sin in your life. Verses eight and nine. You do, you do, you don't know what true peace is, nor what it means to be just and good. You continually do wrong, and those you, who follow you won't experience any peace either. It is because all of this evil that you aren't finding God's peace and His blessings. That's why He doesn't punish those who injure you. No wonder you are in darkness when you are expected when you expected light. No wonder you are walking in the gloom. Verse twelve. For your sins keep piling up before the righteous God. And testify against you. Do you see that? Your sins keep coming before God and your sins testify against you that you don't have relationship with God. Even though you're calling out to Him. If there's a sin in your life, if there's a hidden sin in your life, it is testifying against you. Because God sees the heart. He sees it all. Yes, we know what sinners we are verse 13 We know our disobedience we have denied the Lord our God we know what rebels we are and how unfair we are for we carefully plan our lies our courts oppose the righteous man fairness is unknown truth falls dead in the streets and justice is outlawed yes truth is gone and anyone who tries a better life is soon attacked the Lord saw all the evil and was displeased to find no steps taken against sin Go back and read that whole chapter 59 But the verse that popped off the page to me is this. It is because of all this evil that you aren't finding God's blessings. It's not that God doesn't want to bless. It's not that God isn't able to bless. It's just I'm not giving him a reason to bless. In fact, I'm giving him a reason because of the sin not to bless. Okay, so what do we do with this? What do we do? Is it really possible that I could have sin in my life that is keeping God from truly blessing me in the way that he wants to? Is it really possible? Well, yes, it is. But I have some better news coming. But first, we need to understand why God hates sin. And this may seem strange to think this, that God hates something. But it's so important that we truly understand that he hates the sin in our life. And why does he hate it? Because he loves so much. Because he loves me so much, he has to hate the sin. Is this confusing? He loves me so much, but he hates my sin. And the major reason that God hates sin is because the sin is the thing that separates me from him. He loves me. He loves me and all that in all that He has from me. He loves me. He doesn't hate me, but He hates my sin. He hates the sin inside me. Why does He hate it so much? Because it's the thing that separates me from Him. He's, it, it is just it's the thing that He just can't stand. So He hates it. So it's under so for us to understand this, we must first realize that in God's perfectness and His holiness, that He cannot cohabitate with it. John four twenty three and 24, Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is a spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. That means no sin. Sin separates the one thing that God loves the most and that's you and I. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much God loves you? It's more than you can even comprehend. And now the devil has brought in this little bit of sin in your life that separates you from God. Therefore, that's how much God hates sin. Because he loves you so much, he hates sin just as much. Because that's the separator. That's the thing. I'm making a big deal about this. I know it, but you're going to know why in a minute. Sin, what is it? Anything that separates man from God. Anything. Anything. Hidden or exposed. Remember, God knows the heart. You can't hide it from God. If there is a little pocket someplace, if there's a little compartment someplace in your life that you say, God, you, I give you all of my life, but I've got this one little thing over here, that, this little caveat over here that I just can't let go of. That's all it takes. That's all it takes for God to say, I can't bless you. I love you, but I got to get this out of your life. You've got to give me all. You've got to surrender all if I'm truly going to be the God that blesses you. Why is it so important that we discuss sin? Because until we understand and appreciate how much God hates it, we will continue to live a life that is in frustration before God because we will try, we will live, we will struggle in our relationship with Him and he's saying, I want a relationship, but I just can't have it because you won't give me all of your life. You won't turn it all over. Remember when God created Adam, everything was perfect. Everything. He had perfect relationship. There was perfect character of man. There was perfect love between man and God. Everything was perfect I mean, it was so perfect that God and Adam could walk face to face. They could have conversations face to face that God would come down in the cool of the day and walk in the garden with Adam and they could have perfect relationship. That's what God intends. That's what he wanted. That's what he created man to be, to be in that perfect spot of relationship. Then sin came. That choice, that little choice of disobeying God. Do you know how much that hurt God? Do you know how much that hurt him? When God created everything to be perfect, the, everything was perfect. It was so perfect they could walk around naked. They didn't have to put on any clothes because it was perfect temperature, perfect conditions. They never walked on a thorn. They'd walked barefoot throughout the whole forest because it was soft on their feet. The water was always clean. It was always perfect. The food was great. Everything was perfect. God spent a great detail giving them perfection. And then man said, it's not good enough, God. I'm going to choose to believe this serpent over here. Do you know how much rejection, do you know how much that hurt, God? I don't think we can appreciate that. I don't think we can even have a clue to begin to appreciate how God felt rejected because after all he did for man, the perfectness, the perfection of it all, and man chose something different. (laughs) I don't know, man. That just, just think about that for a while. Go home and just ponder that one for a while. How much did it hurt God to feel rejection? Satan was able to convince them that God was holding out. God had something more and he was able to convince them. And that holding out process was all that Satan needed to do was to give man a reason to choose a different path. That began the lifestyle for generations to come of rejection. That right there is the whole reason that we today are struggling because we continue to reject God continues to want to give and we continue to reject. Why? Because there's sin in my life. Because sin has entered into the life of humankind. Now fast forward a few hundred years here and we have Moses now on Mount Sinai. All right. Now Moses has delivered the, the, the Israelites out of the hand of Egypt. God is now talking to Moses up in the mountain and he's getting ready to give the Ten Commandments. He, God had to give the law because man was lawless. He had to give them some rules and regulations. And this is how the reaction went. Exodus chapter 19, verses 18 through 21. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to his people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Listen, that's not the way God wanted to have interaction with his people. He never wanted them to have to go through another man. Can you see the rejection here? God created Adam and Eve in perfect relationship to walk hand in hand, face to face, and have communication. And God intended that for all generations to have that kind of relationship for him. He never intended it for the people to be afraid of him. Never intended it for people to say, Moses, you speak to him because we don't want to speak to God. Rejection. How much that hurts God to hear that. Why? Because there's sin in the camp. Because it hurts maybe we can understand now why it hurts us when we're rejected have you ever reached out to somebody who been rejected have you ever reached out to your son or daughter husband or wife been rejected well rejection you get what you you, <laughs> you reap what you sow but there's more to the story isaiah 59:21 he says as for me This is God speaking. This is my promise to them, says the Lord. My Holy Spirit shall not leave them, and they shall want the good and hate the wrong. Did you hear that? They shall love the good and hate the wrong, they and their children and their children's children forever. It's only when we can understand and face the facts that we need to hate what God hates, and we need to learn to love what he loves. When I can hate sin the way God hates sin, I'm on the right track. I'm on the right path when I'm starting to hate what God hates and love what He loves. 1 Peter chapter, the second second verse in our study, (laughs) 1 Peter chapter 2, or 4, chapter 4, verse 2, as a result now of trying to be done with sin, as a result now of understanding truly what sin is, as a result, they do not live or we do not live the rest of our earthly lives for evil here, evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Once I can understand the significance of our sins, I now then am better equipped to truly live a life pleasing to God. Because once I can get that taken care of, once I can understand how much I have to hate sin the way he hates sin, now it might help me not to live a life full of sin. Because I see the significance of it now. You know, the difference between legalism and holy conviction is knowledge. The difference between living a legalistic life of I don't do that and I do this and I don't do that and being a life of conviction where I says the same thing, I don't do this, I do this, I don't do that, is conviction is knowledge. I know now why I don't do what I do. I don't do it just because it's legalistic. No, I understand that when I do that, I am rejecting God again. I'm hurting the Father in heaven because he's given me all that he would give me, but I reject it. Therefore, I'm choosing sin. And when I can start to see sin for its ugly nature, what it is, it will help me learn to walk away from it. It will help me learn that I don't want to continue to repeat that process. Whatever that bondage is, whatever the repeated sin is, I can see how evil it is, and I can see how much God hates it now because that's the thing that destroys I said this at my mom's funeral. My mom died not because she was sick. She died because there was sin. Sin killed my mom, not cancer. See, because God never created us to die, sin brought in cancer. Let's see the root cause of what really is bringing the problems to our society. The, the the cause we 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 focus on the band-aids we focus on the symptoms the cause to all of the problems that we have is sin that's why god hates sin because that's the cause of everything that's wrong in my life if we didn't have sin we wouldn't have cancer we wouldn't have death we would never say goodbye to our loved ones if we didn't have sin So don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at Him. Get mad at sin. Get angry with your sin. Let this be a motivator to you when you are tempted with something let that be the motivator to say, I am so angry at that pornography. I'm so angry at that habit. I'm so angry at the fact that I want to lie. I'm so angry at that fact that I want to cheat. I'm so angry at this fact. That's the sin, and I'm no longer going to take it out on God. I'm going to say, God, no, I'm going to get angry. I'm going to hate what you hate, and it's going to change my life. That will change your life when you, can, when you can get angry at what God gets angry at and love what God loves. God loves people. He loves us, love people, but but get angry at the sin. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Those who let themselves be controlled by their lower natures live only to please themselves, but those who follow after the Holy Spirit find themselves doing those things that please God. Why? Because I'm following after God. Following after the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace, but following after the old nature leads to death. Because the old sinful nature within us is against God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their old sinful selves, bent on following their evil desires, can never please God. So we recognize that we are in control of our sin. That's why we need to learn to hate sin as much as God does. When I can do that, the temptations won't be as strong And he won't be as luring luring over me. rather, Rather than seeing the fun and the excitement of the sin, I will see the death and destruction that it causes. Jackie, would you come and play and we'll wind this up here a little bit. It's unfortunate that so many times people blame God and it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. It's all because of sin. Now, does that help you understand why we need to hate sin? Does it give a little more insight in your life why sin is so devastating and how sin is so evil and how sin is so bad, no matter how small it is? We don't need to be angry at God any longer. We can love God, we can appreciate Him. even in the midst of suffering, we can appreciate God because it's not God's fault. He's not a God that wants to promote suffering. Understand that. God is a God that wants to bring relief in the midst of your suffering when you choose to hate what He hates and love what He hates, love what He loves. Romans 8:12. "So dear brothers, you have no obligations to your old sinful habits. You have no obligations any longer to the sinful nature that begs you to do it. For if you you keep on following, you are lost and will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you crush it and its evil evil deeds you shall live, for all who are led by the Spirit Spirit of God are sons of God. We have the ability to live sinless through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the deal, guys. The process of living sinless is obeying Jesus. It's just obeying. It's simple. It is just obeying God's word for what God's word says. It's an attitude of, Lord, cover me with the blood of Jesus. Because when I allow my life to be covered by the blood of Jesus, when God looks at me anymore, he doesn't see sin. He sees the blood of Christ. That blood cost Jesus suffering. Much suffering. But when that blood covers my life and God looks down from heaven and he sees me covered by the blood of Christ, he now says, ah, I have a relationship with that man. I can now live with that man. I can be in that man. My Holy Spirit can be in him. My Holy Spirit can help that man live a life without sin. My Holy Spirit will, re- will continue to bring repentance in my life. That's powerful living there. That's the secret. That's it. In a nutshell, right there, that's all it is. God hates sin. He loves us and he loves Jesus and the sacrifice that Jesus made on our life, that's it. So where are we at? Where, where are you at this morning? Have you not seen, seen sin maybe for what it is in the past? Have you seen sin maybe as something we play with? We, we, we manage it. It's a toy. We bring it out when we want to play with it. We put it away when we're done with it thinking we can manage it. Do you recognize that you can't do that? You can't do that. That's not biblical. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you can pick out your, you can play with your sins when you want to play with them and then just put them away. That is a man-made thought if that's in your mind. You cannot live that way. If you want to have a life with Jesus, fully accepted by Jesus, then sin has to die. And it dies through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, oh, Jesus, we need you so much. We need you, Father, to bring this message in its fullness and completeness to us. Lord, not a message of condemnation, not a message, God, of no hope, because you've given us great hope simply by receiving the blood of Christ on our life. That covers our sin. And then after that, we make an intentional decision not to repeat it. And you will give us the power through the Holy Spirit. That's why you went away, Jesus, so that the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our advocate, could come and help us in this time of living. Right now, in 2017, right now, he came to give me power that I could be victorious over sin. I don't need to let it reign in my life anymore. And so, God, I pray for all of us this morning that we would see the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We would see the love of the Holy Spirit. We would see the covering of your blood over us to protect us, to cover us, to forgive us of our sin. And that then, then, Lord, we would take and look at it the way you look at it from here on out. Father, we need you so bad. We welcome you here today in Jesus' name. Now, let me ask you, while you're still in this mode of thinking and contemplating, if you need help in getting through this thing, we want to help you. We're a family together here. We're all in this together. No one is different than anybody else. All men have to come to the cross the same way. And if you want help, it's the most important thing we can do is to say we want to help you. If you want help this morning and if you're bold enough to stand up and come to the front, we'd love to pray with you and love to help you through this so that we could understand the sin and how bad it is and we could recognize that Jesus truly wants to forgive us and he's there to help us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to support you. We'd love to be your your advocate. This morning, if you're struggling in any way, can we pray? Can we pray to help you? the altars are open. Let's just take a minute. Let's sing the song that Jackie's playing. And if you want prayer uh, for any reason, we want to pray with you in Jesus' name. Well, the Lord is just prompting me in my spirit this morning, very strongly this morning. I could very easily just say, okay, everybody go home. Have a great day. But the Lord is telling me specifically that there are people that need to be down here. There are people that need to get honest with themselves and say, yes, there is sin in my life. and, the Holy Spirit is prompting you. Right now, there is a, there is a stirring in your spirit that you just, it's, it's been there before. You know what it is, and you're fighting it. And I will tell you right now that as long as you fight that, and if you, don't, if you harden your heart, there's going to come a day when the Lord's going to stop calling you. This is not a guilt tactic. This is the reality of God's Word. He is so holy that he is driving this to a point home today. This is not like me. I don't normally drive for altar calls, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is drawing people. We're going to sing it again. And if the Lord's calling you, be, be, respond to the Holy Spirit. He's calling.
1: Okay, so the Lord is giving me a word, and I want to pray this over every single person here that we all need boldness. Whether you think you're like, I'm comfortable with where I'm at, we need boldness because doing what God wants us to do is scary because it's out of the ordinary. God is not normal. We as Christians are not normal. We are not called to be normal. We are called to be bold and share his word to people and i need to pray that over every person here that you are not normal don't think you're normal because we're not we are children of god and that's what we're called to do as be children of god and tell that to people and share that to the people and sharing his word is not easy i've been there i've gone and i've tried to share the word and i've been rejected being rejected is not easy, but that's where we need the boldness to continue to pursue the Lord and pursue giving his word. So if you guys, please stand, be bold. Please stand with me, with Mike and I in the worship team. Please stand with us and pray for boldness in our lives. Lord, we come to you right now, God. We're asking for your boldness. We're asking for your strength to continue to serve you, Jesus, through the darkness and the sin that the world Your word says that we are darkness, we are sinning, Lord, that we don't know what we're doing, God, but we're asking for you to give us clarity in that. Give us clarity and boldness in your word, Jesus, that we won't be devastated when someone rejects us when we try to share your word. That moment when we get the boldness, God, and they're like, no, that's not real, God. God, we're just asking that you please be with us through this week as we begin our weeks, God, that you continue to give us boldness and strength in you, Lord that we won't be afraid, that we will rise up above being scared and being afraid to be different, to have people see us different, Lord, that that's what we are supposed to do. People see us different. Give us the strength to share your joy, that you are our strength and our joy, Lord, and I ask that that will radiate through us, that we won't have to share words, God, by our, by our action. They will see us, see you through us that we won't even have to share the gospel. They will say, you're different, because you're happy all the time. You are thrilled all the time, Lord. And I just declare that over all, this, all my friends, all my family, and all the church members here, Lord, that we will be bold. We won't be afraid, God. But being bold comes darkness, because Satan hates that. He hates us rising above it. Lord, I just pray that we will continue to seek you, and diligently seek you and earnestly give our hearts to you, Jesus. Lord, I just declare that over our family here, Lord. And in your name we praise you. Amen.